Ya, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahirrabbilalamin. Wal-aqibatu lil-mutaqin. Wal-a'idbana illa ala zalimin. Wassalamatullahi wassalamuhu ala ashraf al-biyai wal-mursalin. Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in. Allahumma la sahla illa ma ja'altahu sahla. Wa anta tajrul hazna idha ja'la sahla. Allahumma a'inna ala dhikrika wa shukrika wa husna ibadatik. Ya Rabbil Kareem. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. How you guys doing? Everyone's all right, yeah? So, I'll be honest with you, I had a little quick review of the lesson last week towards the end. I didn't know what happened, Yani, what's going on. It went all mental, Yani. It was lots of sweets, lots of discussion of who was going to get sweets, not going to get sweets. Then it was like talking about dates. Then it went back to sweets, I think, which was when the Toblerone packet got opened. Then we went back to dates and the fiqh of the thing. Then the chocolate oranges came on. I got a bit confused, I'm not going to lie. It was about 25-30 minutes of just that. Sick lesson, to be honest. Best lesson I ever saw. I was so happy every time I saw the sweets, I sat smiling. <laughs> Dopamine was released by even me watching myself eating sweets. <laughs> Sick guy, Ara. That's the way to be on a high, man. Just watch yourself getting high. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. Anyway, so I think where we stopped-ish is... When I was trying to explain, where I was trying to explain, what was I trying to explain? In the middle of page 215, actually let's just read the text. Okay, I was in the middle of 215, basically trying to explain why there is an exemption for certain categories for people who want to wear silk or males who want to wear silk. That's basically what we're trying to explain. How is it possible we say that milk, silk is completely milk is completely haram. silk is completely haram? Except, 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 except. How can you have exceptions? Yep. So this is not a class on common sense or logic, and this Sharia is not based upon that. It uses it in its right place, but it has there has to be an evidence to allow you to have exceptions. And so we were trying to find that exception. And so the exception is explained well. Sheikh Uthameen gives an example of how to establish that exception by giving the example of a contract that occurs, or a transaction rather, I should say, which is a contract, of course. A transaction that occurs involving dates, which shows to us uh, the permission of an exception. I didn't get to that because then I got into dates, talking about Balah and Busr and uh, Rotab and Tamar. But I needed to do that. Because you need to understand how dates differ to be able to understand what the hadith is about. Do you get what I'm saying? Okay, so now that you know that, let's just talk about, let's read out the, 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 the statement, the text. So garments that have been knitted or plated with gold are impermissible unless it has undergone a transformation. Done that. Garments made of silk or that which the majority of it appears to be from silk are also impermissible for men except in the following cases. We've done all that. Now we're doing the exceptions. What are they? If the amount of silk and non-silk is equal, done that. For a necessity of some sort, that's what we're doing right now. So those are necessities, might inc- uh, are anything you can think of, plus obvious ones such as for itching, for medical conditions, in war, for use as stuffing, in embroidery, which is four finger widths or less, for patches, and for bordering. So those are the exceptions. And then the text then ends with a statement, which is going to be fun if we get there. It is disliked to wear yellow and saffron dyed garments. Okay? So let's just quickly 
give that understanding for that example. The Prophet um, Sheikh Uthameen says, right in the middle, وَقَدْ ذَكَرَ أَهْلُ الْعِلْمِ أَنَّمَا حُرِّمَ تَحْرِيمُ الْوَسَائِلْ أَبَاحَتْهُ وَلَحَاجَةً وَضَرَبُوا لِذَلَكَ مَثَلًا بِالْعَرَايَةً Okay, so we explained yesterday, I think one, genuinely, genuinely, one of the most important rules of fiqh, or usul al-fiqh, or you can put it into both categories, in all of our five years, no doubt about it, is right at the top. And that is that there's a difference between things which are haram by themselves, lidhatihi, and those which are tahrim al-wasail, those things which are haram because of what it leads to. And if you understand the difference between the two, then you also understand that things which are haram because of what it leads to, they can become permissible simply because of a need. Whereas something which is haram in of itself, that is so serious, it cannot possibly be become permissible for a need, but it can become permissible for a, by a necessity. So for example, alcohol... Yani it could be argued alcohol is tahrim, uh, yani muharram lidatihi, not muharram for what it becomes to. And I think that we should stick to that opinion that it is impermissible because of, uh, in of itself. And therefore it is haram to drink in any circumstance. You can't say, listen, I have a need, I'm drunk. Or I'm sorry, I'm a, I'm a drunkard. And uh, I'm suffering, you know, whatever you suffer that I haven't drunk for a while. So I'm going to drink a little bit. Yeah, uh, that's a need, not a, not a necessity. And no, it's not going to make it permissible. However, if he's dying, then that's a necessity and it makes that permissible. Yeah, drinking the alcohol. Okay. Whereas if you have a different level of haram, which is, as I gave the example last week, sitting at the table upon which alcohol is served. We said this is a haram, which is not haram in of itself. It's haram of what it leads to, i.e. the potential of becoming comfortable with that culture and then leading to more yani, ikhtalat and more losing your own identity than ending up to you drinking alcohol itself. That's why it's haram to sit on a table. Otherwise, there's nothing wrong at sitting at a table. There's nothing haram about a table. And there's nothing haram about sitting. It's haram because of what it leads to. That's obvious. So this is yani, a tahrim. This is from the category of tahrim lil-wasail. This, this can become permissible not because of a necessity. Meaning that if someone comes to me, like I said, gave you the example, and someone says, hey, you know, uh, 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 you know I'm in a real difficult situation, okay? And I've got a you know, business interview. Sorry, uh, yeah, I have a, a, a client for my company, and I know that there's going to be alcohol there. And it's like the one thing, one time of the year. And I say to him, Wallahi, to be honest, that's haram and you have to be dying to be able to sit at that table. That's not correct. And the mufti, you know the word mufti, of course, is overused because every packs a mufti these days, yeah? But mufti, yeah, and it means someone who gives fatwa, right? And so the mufti himself has to have the knowledge to be able to differentiate between the types of haram. So he here in this scenario says that this is tahrim al-wasail, so a need would be sufficient enough to allow it. It's not like we're looking for a reason to allow it, okay? I don't know why I just looked at Bob's and just re- re- remembered the, the baklava which is outside, okay? <laughs> I want to know, Yani, why is that baklava outside? What, since when did the baklava go outside? You mean the yellow one. What do you mean yellow one? It's a big box of baklava, man. I have to say, I stopped and I paused and I heard you reciting and so I was stuck, Yani. I, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I hope Allah I did. I'm not going to lie, Sheikh. Why did you eat them? Because you were reciting, and I thought, what if he makes quick, yani, the, the thing you make. 
That's why if he makes Allah Akbar and goes for a call. I told you, I told Abu Dhar what we're going to do about this one. I went outside and you were there. Say custom, you went back again. Sick guy. I said to him, we're going to have to go back outside after Maghrib. Because it was proper baklawa, it was no messing about. Still there? Habibi, it's a big box, more a yellow one. That's a, yeah, that's, that's a guy, that's a real man. He doesn't mess about, just goes and gets it. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to lie, it's been on my mind for the last couple of minutes. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, fresh baklava. It it's nice. It was very nice. Yeah, and actually, I'm not even going to lie, when I saw it, it was so, so it looked like, can I, oof, oof. From Venus. Who's Venus? Venus. Turkish show. It's a custom. Don't say that. Where are you going then? Huh? Yeah, nobody's going to leave that. 12 pounds per kg. 12 quid a kg? How many kg is that box? 2 kg. 24 quid box, brother. Uh, Bobby J? Huh? No, bro. <laughs> There's difference between you know pulling out your car boot yani just to you know <laughs> uh, just for just for me to to get a sugar yani uh, out of my you know sugar coma or the, the opposite of the lack of sugar coma. <laughs> no, I believe it. Versus yani something which is opened up and yani on display and it's just just nice and I might take you up on that, bro. You don't yani go. Don't, no, 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 bro. Don't put things in front of me that you're gonna then regret afterwards. What was I talking about, Yara? Huh. I was saying, <laughs> so um, I was saying that it is um, possible that even though we don't want to try and you know uh, go against the rule of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the hadith is there for a reason. We're not trying to find ways of going against the hadith, but this guy is genuine and he needs it, then that's a need. That's a need. Yani, uh, he has a difficult situation. His job is not about alcohol. His job is about doing deals. And this one job is uh, one deal is not. We're not going to make his whole entire job haram. The Prophet sallam, has made it clear, yani, that there is it's, uh, uh, there is an evidence in the Sunnah, the Hadith of Tirmidhi, that it's possible for a person to work and it not be entirely halal. And this is the Hadith of the Tujar, the Tujar of Medina. And he went to them and he saw them and he said to them, as I said, I made this hadith many times before, that your problem is kathratul health wal yani al kadib. Wallahi, I paid two pounds for this. Wallahi, I'm only making ten dinar. Wallahi, you know. And so the people who sell the cloth, okay, this is their game. Lots of wallahis, wallahis, wallahis. And this health or halif. Yeah, and this swearing by Allah too much, this is not right. And lying and small lies, yeah, and if come into the game. Now, here we have halal business of halal product in a halal trade and a haram thing going on. The haram thing has got to be dealt with, right? So the Prophet basically slapped down the people who do it, don't do it. But he knows it's going to happen again. So he said, فَشُبُوهُ بِسَدَقَةً Fashubuhu bi is a very interesting statement, but basically it means that be aware of what you're doing and purify it with sadaqah. Stop doing it. I'm not okaying it, but it's going to happen. So uh, make sure that you give yani, some kind of sadaqah. Make sure you kind of give a constant sum of money, which is not in any way justifying the act. 
However, it is purifying the overall kind of thing. Not like zakah. This is not like 2.5%, you know, I've purified my money or whatever. No, 2.5% is a haq of the people. There's no such thing as justification of haram to establish a halal earning. However, there is such a thing as a voluntary kind of purification. Does that make sense? Yep. So giving sadaqah generally and then giving purificatory sadaqah and especially the fuqaha of our time now, Ahlul Ilm, people of knowledge from our time now, they have made this concept a must and they've made it a condition, an obligation when you invest in shares and in other kind of companies and so on that are always involved in some kind of financial nonsense, right? They're either in debt or they're at the bank or they're selling something haram or whatever, big company. Then they're always saying to you that, yani, look at that, calculate it. If it's 1-2%, give the 1-2% away and carry on with the rest of the company. This is a general rule. So I just want you to know that this idea exists, right? So I'm saying to you that therefore we understand that no job is perfect. Everyone's going to be affected. Every single business has some kind of problem. I want you to know never can we allow those problems to continue. You've got to try your best to avoid them. However, when they occur, then just got to keep making sure you keep giving the sadaqah. Right. So the Prophet ﷺ, so, uh, the scholar said that it is possible that we can explain uh, giving concessions with the hadith of the Araya. Araya is the name of a contract. What is that contract? It is the selling of rutab with tamar. Meaning that I sell my rutab for your tamar. Now what we've just explained already, okay, last week, is that there are different stages of the same date. And the difference is that rutab are softer because they have higher water content, therefore they're bigger, they're heavier, etc. Vis-a-vis the tamar, which are drier, smaller, and so on. And so you're going to get a difference in number. Okay, so you might give a kilo versus a kilo, but in actual fact, it's not really a kilo, there's a lot of water in there, and that's taking up things. And so therefore, uh, uh, why are... You know, the hadith of Bilal in Bukhari uh, of the person who sold selling one dates for two kilos of dates. The Prophet ﷺ, he prohibited that completely. You have to sell the same quantity for the same quantity. And if you're not happy with the fact that his quantity are rubbish, his dates are rubbish and yours are great, then the Prophet ﷺ told Bilal to go and sell his dates. Get the money and then buy with that money two kilos of dates. Why? Why? Why are all of the laws of riba al-fadl? Because riba is of two types. We're not covering riba now, but I just want you to have general understanding. Here it is important in this hadith, and Sheikh Uthameen does go into it. So at least write this down. Riba, which is interest, is of two types: riba al-fadl or riba nasia. Riba al-fadl, okay, is the prohibition of one person from selling. Uh, 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 um, uh, uh, what's the word for non? Not the same. Um, different? different amounts, okay, but it's not different. What's the word, man? Unequal, unequal, unequal amounts of two commodities which belong to the same category, okay. So if I'm selling you gold and you're buying with gold, it has to be the same. You can't say that my gold is Indian gold and your gold is yani lame Dubai gold or whatever it is, yeah. And so therefore, you, uh, mine is one kilo. You got to give me one and a half kilos. Why? Why, the, why is it two kilos a day versus no dates? Why, 
you know, uh, uh, two iPhones for one iPhone or whatever is of the same jins, we create fitna. That's the, the illa behind riba, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, riba al-fadl, I mean, is that you're always causing this kind of doubt between thingy, you're, 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 you're throwing shade upon his dates and you're rating your own, and that's just not right. Simple solution, sell them and then let money do the talking, change the jins. That's why it's permissible for me to use a ton of silver to buy your small amount of gold, but never will it be permissible for me to use a huge amount of gold to buy your small amount of gold, because you're using gold, why is my gold better than your gold, why is your gold better than my gold, etc. So riba al-fadl is a type of riba, however, think about it, alright? Is riba al-fadl the same as riba nasi'a. Riba nasi'a is the riba of an nasa. An nasa means there's a delay. So what is this referring to? This is sometimes called riba 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 al bay' or riba tijara or riba al qard. There are these are different synonyms for the concept of riba al fadl, meaning that this is almost always the riba of loans. Okay, so there's a delay. What's the delay? The delay occurs in the changing of uh, the same thing. Okay, so for example, this is the problem of me selling something um, or, you know, two different uh, items and I am not going to deliver my item until much later. All right? In between which the time I've paid a certain thing and the thing's value drops, for example. Fitna. The value rises high. He's upset. Fitna. Yani something could happen, etc. The delay causes a problem. And this delay specifically when it applies to loans is even worse. I'd say to you that I want some money and you say because of the delay, I'm going to charge you an extra amount. Okay? Which is known as what we call interest. This is pure riba. And that dhulam and oppression upon the person of having to pay more just for the fact that he doesn't have something. So he has to now pay more for it than a normal person, this is unacceptable. And this is the pure riba, and this is the pure war against Allah and His Messenger, and this is the pure kind of thing which has been prohibited, which need the Sharia is trying to protect against. Why is this important for me to explain? Because I have just indicated that riba al-fadl is not as serious as riba al-nasi'a. Riba al-fadl, the riba of unequal amounts, yani in terms of 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 of, uh, of of transactions, is not the same as the as someone who goes full out and says, "Here's a thousand pounds," and in a week's or you know, in a month's time, you've got to give me fifteen hundred pounds. That's yani a, a pure thing. Now, here's what Sheikh Uthameen. Uh, now, now that I've given my explanation, I'm just going to just go over to Sheikh Uthameen and let him continue. So he says. Araya is when you sell Rutab for Tamar. And that is absolutely haram. Because the Prophet ﷺ, when he was asked about the transaction where you sell Tamar bin Rutab, he said, Will the Rutab decrease when it becomes dry? That's what the Prophet ﷺ asked when he saw this transaction happening. He goes, Will the Rutab get yani, smaller when they become dry? And Qalu, they said yes, that will happen. So then he prohibited that transaction because my man's getting done. Yes, because then they're going to when the once the water goes, it's going to get dry and then there's going to be some fitna. لأنه ربا شيخ أثمين says because this is ربا. إذن إن الجهل بتساوي كالعلم بالتفاضل لكن العراية أبيحت للحاجة 
ولا حاجة هي أن الإنسان الفقير الذي ليس عنده نقودا إذا كان عنده تمر واحتاج إلى تفكح بالرتب كما يتفكه الناس أباح له الشارع أن يشتري بالتمر رتبا على رؤوس النخل أوكي؟ بشرط أن لا تزيد على خمسة أوسق وأن يكون بالخرص أي أننا نخرص الرطب لو كان تمرا بحيث يساوي التمر الذي أبدلناه به شيخ says this is impermissible it's a riba to do this transaction however the Prophet ﷺ in the Sharia it became permissible for a certain need who for those who are very poor who do not have any cash and they are they only have rutab they only have rutab for them it was allowed to go ahead in this transaction as long as it did not exceed khamsata ausuk five ausuk okay which is kind of like a you know uh, it's a significant quantity good number of kilos okay good number of kilos meaning it, that's it that's it shaz or has it gone off yeah, I think take it off, Shaz. Yeah, take it off. That's more irritating. Yeah, yeah. Just take, leave it off. Just one second. Let me just, let me just finish this. So the, the so it was allowed to continue because of the need of the fakir because they have no cash. They have no ability because he's so poor. He has no ability to buy the tamar like he should. So he has to use a rotib to make sure that it's not used as a trick and a blag. There's a limit that's been placed on it by the companions, and that's five osuk. Okay? So, what has happened here? Riba of fadl in araya, so a very specific form, light form of transaction, in the lighter form of riba, has been made permissible because of the need, because this is tahrim al wasail. It's not yani haram in of itself, it's not yani a major issue in of itself, it's what it leads to, which is the major issue. And that's why Sheikh then says, this is riba, but it has been made permissible for a need. Why? Because riba al-fadl is from tahrim al-wasail. It is made impermissible because of what it leads to. Unlike riba al-nasi'a, unlike the, 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 the loan form of riba, the conventional form of riba that you all guys all know. Because that type of riba is the tahrim al-maqasid. It is the actual riba itself. And that's why, that's why, and something very interesting, which we'll come to obviously when we come to this, and that's why in the hadith of Usama ibn Zayd, the Prophet ﷺ said, La riba illa fin nasi'a. La riba illa fin nasi'a. Or innama riba fin nasi'a. And that's been narrated by Bukhari in the Book of Transactions. There is no riba except in nasi'a. There is no riba or, or riba is only in nasi'a. Hold on, you might get confused. And you might say, hold on. If he's saying that riba is only in nasi'a, then how is riba in al-fadl? Why is there tra- interest yani, in the other thing? I'm not going to go into that. That's a huge discussion which we will leave to the chapter of riba when we come to that. But what Prophet ﷺ is doing, okay, um, is emphasizing that nasi'a or nasa' is the most serious form of riba. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that there is no other form of riba. Just like the Prophet ﷺ said that Al-Hajju Arafah. Al-Hajju Arafah. Arafah is Hajj. That does not mean there's no Muzdalifah and no Tawaf and no Sa'i. It's a form of emphasis. Okay? Um, and that's why Ahlul Im said that this therefore, yani the pure riba 
is the one of a nasiyah. So anyway, just to conclude, that is the evidence why it is permissible if we find for the mufti. If there is a need, then he is allowed to give the fatwa to allow the haram, which is haram for wasail. Understand? And silk is definitely that. Back to what we're talking about. Silk in and of itself is not a problem. The problem with silk is what it will lead to. So if there's something that I have a need to use silk for, then it's okay to use it because silk is not like alcohol or pork or whatever. Okay? Right, yes. Yeah, I the 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 fact that there's a difference between the two uh, uh, dates is like knowing it, it could be another person knowing that there is a difference in the actual quality meaning that there's definitely going to be fitna it's not an innocent trade it's not an innocent trade that a person like you know oh, I'm just going to chuck in a kilo of this and oh, it's roughly a kilo it looks the same size remember that kilo is not so perfect so they, they will have a small uh, thingy so you have a small bag and I pick it like that and I pick up a small bag of the uh, tamar and we look at the size and we don't actually know that's the jahil part of exactly what it is how equal it is however the truth of the matter is is that because they are different someone will know people do know that there's a, a real difference between them in quality in the amount of the difference and so on okay everybody yeah Okay, you're going to ask about... Yeah, I was going to mention pretty much the same thing. Uh, with the Hadith of it was about the quality, not the quantity. So it was not about the weight. It was, an, it was about the quality. Correct, the, correct. The dates. But, but what was the problem? What did the difference in quantity lead to? Quality lead to? It's not because of those levels of the date, more water and... No, no, I'm saying, I'm saying what, as you just said, it was an issue of quality, yes? Mm-hmm. So I'm saying, what did the fact that the quality was different lead to? It led to a difference in quantity. Yeah. Okay? All right. So, yep. Just to ask um, about the, uh, obviously you're talking about the Rukhub and the Tawah, um, what about the different types of dates then, when it comes to like Ajwa and Majboor and things like that, exchanging one for one? Why are you asking difficult questions like that for? <laughs> no, 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 man, don't go there, yeah? that's, that's proper chapter of Riba, hardcore, man. Right, behave yourself, man. Right. So, is this something that is used to make the issue of riba mortgages permissible? The question is, is this something that is used to make the issue of riba mortgages permissible? Yeah? Is it? That it's a need. So, if, if it is a need, okay, let's just look at this from a fatwa point of view, or the mufti making this fatwa, yes? What is the form of riba in a mortgage? Nasia, okay? It's a form of a qart, which we said is the real thing, right? And if that is yani, the riba, the, the tahrim al-maqasid, yani, or al-maqsad, then it needs a necessity to, to make it permissible, okay? That's the first step that we've made, right? It can't just be, you know, you know what it is to be honest, I'm sick to death of living council flat, love a place in, in uh, Barry next to Uthman kind of thing, yeah? So then, obviously, wanting to upgrade that much means that, you know, Man's is like, uh, you know, he's got a real need. Or not, as the case may be, right? So, well, I'll check my girl out. She went and got baklava. Yeah, and just to ruin the lesson properly. You know what I'm saying? This lesson is definitely finishing early though. 
we haven't eaten our food yet, huh? Mrs. goes to me, Yanni, do you want some food? 8 o'clock. I gave me food at 8 o'clock. How can you teach Yanni what's eating food at 8 o'clock? Now I have to eat afterwards. Miskeen banda. Huh? It's because she knows you're going to eat me. Yeah. <laughs> she asked, I'll be awake. I swear I'm going to be awake. I said, Charity, okay, then. We'll see if you're awake. We'll see. No. Bob, Bob said no. <laughs> She's watching live anyway. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to throw myself under the bus, am I? Right. So. Uh, so the second step, of course, in answering that question then is that what is the need of that person? Okay, does he have a necessity or does he have a need? Right? And we've already determined that it have to be a necessity to get a fatwa to overturn the haram. Make sense? Okay. And that's when the discussion then starts. I have a necessity because I'm paying rent, which is more than what the mortgage would be. I have a necessity because I have children. Um, I have a necessity because I have four children. It's like anything. There'll be five or six different scenarios and you'll have to make a decision what's a necessity, what's not a necessity, what's a necessity, what's not a necessity. You know what I'm trying to say? And it gets very subjective as well. And, you know, you find some scholars, they become easy and flexible in this matter. And then you've got other scholars that are incredibly, you know, they're just not interested. They're saying, you know, man up, quote unquote, and, and you know, uh, deal with it. Pay the, 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 the rent and stay in a rented house. Nothing wrong with that. And be halal and stay halal and that's it. And I was listening to a lecture of um, Sheikh uh, Al-Kamali, who of course you know, is becoming very big now, in the West especially now. He's Moroccan and um, he's you know, huge Maliki scholar, but you know, one of the best, to be honest, Sayyid Al-Kamali. Um, and uh, he's like a young, uh, who would I put him in? Araf Al-Kamali? I don't know what category I'd put him in, but yani, he is like a Maliki Turefi. Sheikh Turefi, of course, is a major scholar, a Saudi scholar, but anyway, he's good. And I was just interested because Sheikh Yusuf Al Qardawi, uh, you know, he gave the Muslims a, a major, uh, how can I say, he effectively gave the fatwa and he made it Aam, which was what people were upset, many scholars. You know, he made it general to all folks that if you need one house, your main house, uh, for your own purchase then I allow you to buy that on the river mortgage and he gave that fatwa like I think 30 years ago or 25, 20 years ago something like that and that was way before Islamic banking was here and this and that I had a, I had a massive discussion with someone yesterday uh, you know I know we've gone off the topic again but you know and I can't even blame the drugs because I didn't take my dose here, here but so the point is is that um, honestly man <laughs> Honestly, I've been using those drugs as an excuse for ages. So, on the issue of people kind of uh, taking these options, you see, now we, I mean, obviously the, the Islamic market is up and down. Ten years ago, it was a dream. TSB had the Islamic thingy, NatWest had it, Amana was massive, Islamic Bank of Britain had their yani, uh, product. Then the PACs got involved and just completely corrupted the whole thing. You know, the problem was, of course, is that they got their names onto these documents because of the, the way, and they blacked their thingy. They were selling them on and all, doing all kinds of things and doing the banks out of whatever. And also the returns weren't great. And, you know, Muslims are good payers and blah, 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 blah. So the big boys made the decisions that these are failing uh, sections of the banks and can't keep up. And so they closed them all down. Amman was the big loss because they put in millions into this project. They got They paid for all the scholars and the conferences and the... You know, blah blah. Anyway, and they put the pressure on the government to produce, get rid of the double stamp duty thing and all that. Anyway, 
Riyan Bank is the only one that's offering it as far as I know. And Ahli, is that got a UK thingy? Right, and Ahli Bank as well. Ahli, the, 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 in fact, sorry, by the way, I've got some, you know what it is? All these people tell me amazing secret things and I completely forget that I'm like got superpower and I just, you know, I've got news that will change people's lives and I just keep forgetting to tell them that. I need baklava, this is, I need sugar. <laughs> I was in Pakistan and the, the head of Mizan Bank is a friend of mine. Okay, Mizan Bank is Pakistan's biggest Islamic bank. And they are opening here in the UK. And he told me, and he goes, you know, we're launching here. And uh, when they launch, they will be offering as their flagship product, the house purchase plan. So that's something interesting. And this is a bank which is effectively run by students of Mufti Taqi. I mean, it's like hardcore, you know what I'm saying? Very good, very high quality. A couple of friends of mine are the Sharia supervisors. Okay, Mufti Najib, who's just absolutely the most insane guy ever. Uh, so he's one of the, uh, uh, you know, the Sharia supervisors. And they've got lots of products in Pakistan. I mean, they've got all kinds of stuff. And so that obviously could be something interesting. Anyway, Rayan Bank is the main guy offering the thing. So the problem is, is that people, they... Go to Rayan Bank. Obviously, Rayan Bank have not got their, their things together and they charge a huge amount of money up front. You have to pay like 20% or something, I don't know. Which is like, you know, which is like 50 grand, you know, or something like that. And, you know, people normally, they want to get on the game with five grand or something. They don't want to get in the game with 50 flipping grand, right? Who's got 50 grand? That's a fair point, okay? And that scares people off. However, you've got, those who have got 50 grand and just don't want to give it to Rayan because you know what? Rayan's rates work out to be more expensive than the thingy rate, than the conventional rate, which is completely unacceptable, which is complete nonsense. Yes, it might be, but so what? Uh, you know, people forget, and I gave this lecture to the guy on the phone with skin and blew his ear off, yeah, but let me just say that what people forget, Muslims forget, is that it's expensive to be a proper Muslim, and that's what it should be. The problem with Muslims, yeah, is that they're, they're just too packed in their mind. They just want everything on the cheaps. They got used to it. They got used to cheap food, cheap clothes, cheap sweets, cheap chocolates, and now they want houses cheap. That's the problem. You get what I'm saying? Yeah? If they're Islamic, everything is more expensive. It's going to have to have a premium. If we're real Muslims, we wouldn't pay children to be, you know, whatever. We wouldn't pay women different to men. Okay, that's un- that's un-Islamic. This idea of uh, wage dis- uh, discrepancy or disparity, gender disparity, has no basis in Sharia at all. So our clothes will be more expensive. Our food is fair trade. Fair trade is the only Islamic concept that exists. The chicken that we eat, yeah. I mean, you know, uh, uh, you know, I'm my hand up straight here. We just live live on a, a diet of fried chicken, which is all you know, from Brazil or from whatever cheap. If you want to do it properly, then your chicken's going to cost you two, three times the amount. You buy it properly here at a farm, whatever, whatnot, your meat. You're used to packed meat, yes? Otherwise, you want to do it properly, it's three times the amount. Organically and properly reared and blah, blah, blah. You know what I'm trying to say? So you, we got used to everything on the cheap. And actually a Muslim is pay, eating and, and everything is more expensive. He's paying more for everything, but we don't. So anyway, so it's a mentality. Our mentality is just completely, you know, bandu flipping uh, uh, mentality. And I get it. Obviously, Muslims are not uh, earning, and people are out of jobs, unemployed, and things like that. But uh, that's fine. 
buy your cheap stuff and be happy with it. But don't say that something should not be taken or it's yani, you know, uh, 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 it's uh, the, the best is when they say, what? Huh? It's a rip-off. Yeah, and he, it's, it's, it's haram. It's, it's, sorry, it's no different to the others. Yeah, and he, they say that as a, like a social kind of, like, no, as a, a, to, to assuage their guilty conscience, yeah, he, of the fact that they're now going to go for the actual haram one. Ah, oh, but, you know, that one's more. You know, just, just say, listen, I don't want to do it. I'm fine. Anyway, why are we going to that for? Because my man went into houses, that's why. Shall take it? All right, let's get into this. Let's do this. Yes, yes, go on. Yes. Yeah, that's di- that's di- that's, di- that's different. That's different. What Akram Nadwi would have said is what what Haytham Haddad has been saying for many years. Okay, and I want you to know that there's a lot of history. I don't want to go into this again. Uh, about 20 years ago. Uh, or 15 years ago, when Amana launched their first product, okay, they gathered all the scholars together in this country, and they all sat down, they were all Yani spoken to, and all had an opportunity to really go at Mufti Taqi, okay? And that gathering included myself, and included uh, Sheikh Haytham, and a few other people. And it was very clear that there became two camps. There was a majority camp, and then a small minority camp. And the small minority camp was Sheikh Haytham, okay? maybe one other person, and the others were mostly Diobandis, and so they were all going to go with Mufti Taki anyway. All right? Ashik Ihlan also was there as well. Were any there? But so this was the camp that accepted the contract and made it be- and believed that it to be, yani, at that time it was the Ijara uh, contract, not a Musharika one, okay? Which is far more Islamic even. But the Ijara one was the fact that they buy the house and lease it back to you and all this kind of stuff and allow you to buy parts, okay? Um, they said that this is just basically you copying yani, the kuffar and you copying their rates and you copying their system and it's like you making halal pork and halal alcohol. You know, it's, just, it's, it's worse than thingy. Better for you to just, you know, you're just tricking the people and confusing them. That was their idea and it's a valid opinion because there's no doubt about it that there are having to be one or two moves that are at best doubtful and at worst, yani makro haram. Okay? So, and the other side said that there's a need it's in order to help the people and it's, it's, there are some material differences that the contract has that make it Islamic and we went that way okay and so the country has been split ever since I mean the Muslim scholars and Shaykh Akram Nadwi is with Haytham uh, Haddad Shaykh Haytham that this contract is a disgrace and it's better for you just to it's better for you instead of trying to change the religion this is their argument just take, say I'm I mean, I, I, I'm I'm uh, I'm and it ended the rura, and I'll take the haram uh, thing. And it's been made permissible for you, the haram one, because of your need. And it's no messing about. It's an Islamic, clear Islamic process. And it's a fair argument. It's a fair argument. Do you understand? Okay. All right. So, the silk. Its first exception is for illness. Aw maradin, in the middle of 216. And the Prophet, uh, uh, Sheikh Uthameen, he says, it is permissible for a person to wear it if it will... Uh, uh, the, the, the illness will be, you know, lightened or it will get rid of it. And this is something that the doctors need to determine, nothing to do with the scholars, which is good that he says that, okay? And uh, I looked into it, obviously eczema, okay? There are certain forms of eczema which are very, very sensitive and silk is very good for that. So you have a very bad uh, dermatitis or eczema, then it's permissible. There are other conditions, so atop, uh, atopic dermatitis, uh, thrush, 
there are certain conditions, there are certain times where thrush can become very, very difficult, and so silk might, would be uh, permissible, although that doesn't make any sense, because it'd be, that'd be only women, so it's permissible for them anyway. And then, huh? Male thrush? Yeah, okay. You're right. You're absolutely right. However, male thrush never causes the kind of complications as it does in females. Simple, that simply is that. It doesn't cause a sensitivity. So I wouldn't, I don't think it's applicable. But anyway, this, it doesn't matter actually. Model is general. Any kind of skin condition that a person, the doctor says, wear this, then it's something which... By the way, I, I saw that they are now trying to prescribe certain silk-based products, uh, clothing, uh, as, a, as, a, as a treatment. Not, not treatment medical, but in order to aid recovery from certain conditions. So you'll see that that has some precedent. PIV, which is uh, pediatric inflammatory vulvitis. But again, that's, I don't know why I wrote that down. I was obviously dead and on drugs when I wrote that. These are all female conditions, and they can use silk anyway. So anyway, the point is sickness. Aw qamlin. What's qamal? Lice. Okay, lice. Now that's very interesting. Because Sheikh Uthameen says... It is permissible to wear silk. يجوز لبس الحرير للطرب القمل. Okay. أو لأنه محتاج لذلك إما حاجة نفسية أو حاجة جسدية. I found this very interesting. يعني basically he's saying that if you have lice, then you are allowed to wear silk either if you are physically يعني can't handle the lice or psychologically can't handle it. I love that. That's just a sick one. Just mentally can't deal with that last thing, so you're wearing silk. So I don't know how that one works, but I can tell you, I can tell you this, that there are some studies that show that silk clothes can help. There's nothing definite or definitive, I should say, but silk clothes in head lice can help. Some said that the reason why is because the silk is so smooth and head lice they don't I don't know if this is true they don't really live in the hair which was the you know a big <laughs> revelation alright but apparently you know and if the clothes have uh, you know if you've got normal clothes then they will stay on the clothes and then they'll get back onto the hair somehow jump around whatever, I don't know but they said some people said silk because it's so smooth lice can't hold on to it latch onto it I don't know if that's true. We have the most useless doctor in the history of medicine. In the history of medicine. I never asked Zafar a question. Except that I got a blank face. Oh my God. Why would you? Stay there, remain there. <laughs> Well, he says, إذن إن الإنسان لا يطيق أن يخرج أن يخرج إلى إلى الناس وعلى ثيابه القمل والقمل. So Sheikh said that. I, I mean, listen, I'm not, I'm not thinking. He says it's not. You know, some people they just can't handle the fact that they would go outside and there's head lice on their clothes. Well, it's here's the thing. Here's the thing. Lice, what is lice? 
Who gets affected by lice? No, no, fleas is not lice. Who gets affected by lice other than head lice? No? That's coming. And it's different, and it's coming. What other lice is there? It is lice, you're right, it's not head lice. I am translating it as a head lice, but I'm asking the question, what's the other form of the... So when kids have head lice, yep. they get that medicine, shampoo. Yep. It says on there that after treatment, yep. wash all the bed clothes, wash all the clothes and so on, because the... Yeah, the huh? Mr. Chilling? Clothes. What you got to say about that? No, we're not getting confused. Absolutely, she's right. Listen. I mean, by the way, you're right. Actually, scabies is more. That's he. He's right. But head lice, I think, also has something along the lines of you've got to uh, uh, treat others and uh, um, wash. I'm sure to wash the clothes is part of that. Yep. Yep. That's fine. That's what's going to deal with them. But the idea is still that they do. They do. Yeah, they do fall off the head, and they live somewhere. And that on silk, they're just not gonna. On silk, I guess you can shake it off or something. No, is that not working? Yeah, I don't know. I'm the, I must be the worst pharmacist ever to come and ask about headlights. I've got no idea. We used to use that thingy, um, that comb. Sick comb. Five quid, five quid. But what a five quid comb. It's a real, it's like the, it's the barp of all combs. It's like long and it's like deadly and you just sit there. It takes ages. I mean, to be honest, it didn't affect me because I never had to do it yet. Mrs. Obviously, Miss Keenan, she's sitting there for six hours and combing. But it works and it saves you from all that uh, insecticides. I just want to tell you from a pharmaceutical point of view that they do become resistant to these insecticides and you have to go through all three, four, and then each one says that we're great, we're this, that. And there's some natural ones. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. What's happening on the screen? Oh. Yeah, you should be sorry. Oh yeah, I missed it off. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Good point. No, no, it's not medical conditions. Yeah. Sorry, everybody. I I left it off. It's lice. After that. Okay, after medical conditions, it's lice. Head lice use the clothes to climb up to their hair. There was a video where someone did an experiment to see how they travel. See that? Okay? That's fact now. End of story. YouTuber said it. Bas khalas. Haji. Huh? What's that? He said that they, 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 they travel up the clothes. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Now the next point is Al-Harbin. Okay, so according to that, in war. Now this is really interesting. Okay, because now you start to see the issue of manuscripts. Okay, because in one manuscript it says harb. In a second manuscript, there's the dot on the top. Jarbin, Aw jarabin. Okay, now if it is jarab, what's jarab? Anyone know? No, 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 jarab. After jarab? Jarab is scabies. So if so that would make sense. It would feel like it's going in the same direction. Yeah? Of whatever. However, you could equally argue and say, well, hold on, he's already mentioned medical conditions, he's already mentioned lice, 
which is like, you know, the family as such, why would he then go and mention another one? You could say, well, you could. And Sheikh Uthameen goes into a big discussion of what one is more likely to be. But I just wanted to stop and say, if it's scabies, then it's just another form, another example. And now you know that anything can be used that is haram, yani for other reasons, you can use it if there's a need for any kind of condition. So, you know, we might find another disease and it'll be allowed for that as well. Scabies is uh, something which is a skin infestation, okay, by the mite Okay, by an M-I-T-E, Sarcoptes scabi, okay, and that of course we kill via an insecticide. Now, the insecticide can cause a little bit of irritation, so it makes sense also for the skin to be softened with silk. But, Sheikh Uthameen wants to go with harb. And the reason he wants to go with harb is for a very important, uh, is because of a very famous hadith, okay. Um, he says, and this is a very interesting discussion which I think that we should have, Sheikh Uthameen, obviously, coming from a different culture, different time, and of course this is what we in the West kind of find difficult, this kind of talk, all right? But we will talk about it. Sheikh Uthameen says that it is, this comes under the chapter of infuriating the kuffar. Okay? Now, uh, what does that mean? Back then, the idea of um, the Prophet ﷺ saw Abu Dujana. We all know this name as Abu Dujana. His name is Simak ibn Kharasha. His full name is Simak ibn Kharasha radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And he was a strong companion, big joker. He used to yani, love jokes and clowning about and making people happy and so on and so forth. And he was also a strong guy. Alright? And actually he has many beautiful points. He's got a, he's a lovely yani, story, stories about him. But anyway, the point is, is that the Prophet sallallahu uh, saw him whilst they, they were at the battle of Uhud or preparing for the battle of Uhud he saw Abu Dujana walking around like this you know bowling about you know trying to act like a bad man yes and he was twirling the sword and you know really showing off okay and very arrogant very you know whatever and um, he was in the he was in the zone. He was you know trying to make the people happy and show the strength. And the Prophet ﷺ said, "Innaha la mishyatun Allah illa fi mithli al This walk that you are walking is one which Allah detests, except in this moment right now, except in this situation right now. Yeah, and he never does the believer ever walk like that. He is humble. He's respectful. He is the but here right now, in front of the kuffar, to show them yani, who's who and what's what, and to show that yani, their numbers don't mean nothing to us, we're going to you know, clean this up, this whatever, whatnot. This is something which is allowed. Yep. You imagine that he allowed that walk yani, to show so much confidence. So what Sheikh Uthameen is trying to say is that it is not just walking which is allowed. Even though there's no other hadith, what Sheikh Uthameen wants to say is that in this moment, a man wearing silk is also allowed. You get what I'm saying? He wants to show that what kind of war, what kind of fighting are you? Like, oh, I'm wearing my, my Sunday best now. You get what I'm saying? I'm going to come out looking so, it's like I'm, I'm getting married. Yeah, and you are so lame in your fighting that I'm not even going to have to worry about putting armor on. I'm going to walk around in silk shirts. Do you get what I'm saying? That's the idea, right? And Sheikh Uthameen, he, yeah, and he, he's just, he, he, then he goes into, and I'm going to quote it because, you know, we quote it, something nice that he mentions. Very famous hadith. He says, the Prophet ﷺ said in the hadith which is narrated by Muslim in the, uh, 
uh, chapter of giving salam, he said, if you translate this hadith literally, then it is, do not initiate the salam with the Jews and the Christians. And when you see them in the street, then push them to the edges, or push them to the sides. That's what the hadith would translate as. Now, what does the hadith mean? Big discussion about this hadith actually, um, and what it means, and so on and so forth. Um, on the issue of giving salams first, I think that the majority of scholars uh, uh, say that that's absolutely without any uh, uh, ta'wil, and certainly my opinion is that that's a safe position. Okay, The scholars who, who, are, who are the majority, they don't allow you even to respond to the salam. However, that's permissible in my opinion, no problem at all. Jonah Christian says, Assalamu alaikum, and it really is Assalamu alaikum, and it's genuine, then it is permissible to say, Wa alaikum assalam. Okay? It is permissible. That's in my opinion. Okay? Uh, but to initiate that salam to the Jew and Christian, yeah, I need to say, Assalamu alaikum first. The, the Prophet did not allow that. And yes, some said that that was in a time, this, that, and I can accept that as an argument, but that's best to stick to the majority. The second part is interesting. What does that mean? Okay. Um, I remember uh, here even Sheikh Uthameen starts to make a point. What he's trying to say is, he says that, don't think that the Prophet ﷺ meant that when you see them, you grab them and you throw them against the wall. He goes that that's yani, not what the hadith means, even though it translates as that. And he goes, that was never narrated, neither from the Prophet ﷺ or neither from the companions, and there was Christians and Jews that were living amongst them. What it means, Sheikh Uthameen says, is that you maintain your course. So a path is tight and there's people coming. You're not the guy who gives way. Do you get what I'm trying to say? Because there's a thing going on right there, isn't there? There is something happening there. When you are walking and they're coming, and now who's going to happen? This group starts to disperse and you start to you know, pull your shoulder aside. You don't want to whatever. Okay, But they're coming... You're not going to do that. You're going to hold your position. They're the ones who should, yani, because they should know who's boss. They should know who's got the respect and the honor. That's the point. In my opinion, so that was what Sheikh Uthameen mentioned even for the meaning of the hadith back then, in a state of war and a state of difficulty and a state of whatever. I want to say that one of my own teachers told me that Sheikh Uthameen, I never heard it from his own yani, uh, uh, lips, but someone said to me that this is not applicable in the land of non-Muslims. Okay? He said that. Anyway, my own position on this is, is actually further than that. Not only is it not possible to do something like that because you're living in another authority and as Sheikh Kehlan yani, used to say, still does say, he goes, they'll pick you up and they'll throw you into the sea. Okay? Yani, meaning, you know, the majority versus the minority. Don't be silly. Yani, and, you know, don't upset the, the host nation. He's always like that. Never upsetting the host people. They're, he always says, they'll pick you up and throw you into the sea. Yeah? <laughs> he loves the island aspect of England. Huh? But um, uh, my point is this, is that this comes down to intention. If you are walking down the street and there genuinely is no... Um, I think you will understand what I'm saying, that you've got non-Muslims who are walking and whoever moves or doesn't move is not going to matter in the mindset of either person in any single way, then you don't worry about that. Then you are allowed to, you know, be polite, okay? Especially when there's nothing coming from them. 
and it's not confrontational, okay? However, if it is confrontational, and there is yani, a, uh, uh, an issue where the deen is being kind of put down, then a person sticks up for themselves. Okay, they respect their position. I don't even know what's going on there, bro. Sheikh Uthameen actually then goes into a part, I don't know whether it's good for us to go into, but he then quotes, well, we should, it's, it's Quran. It's Quran. Why shouldn't we quote Quran? Sheikh Uthameen, he says, um, he quotes the ayah from Surah Tawbah, uh, verse 120, that if they, kufar, Okay? Yani if they take any step that angers the kuffar or cause any nailing to the adu, cause any harm uh, to an enemy, they won't do anything like that except Allah will write down for them a good deed. Okay? Yani, you need to understand that when it comes to battle, when it comes to war, obviously the context is war, right? Anything that you do that freaks out the enemy, anything, you're getting reward for it. Which is to be honest, sick. That's why I'm always like, you know, I think that literally, I've told people this before, I said one of the ways of getting to Jannah easy and cheaply is dissing Katie Hopkins. <laughs> dissing. Just dissing. What did you think I said? Okay. So you mean <laughs> dissing Katie Hopkins? Yeah. I think freaking her out in any way possible. Yeah, and he gets a for like reward. Freaking Tariq Fatah out. Freaking out that that guy with the massive nose. What's his name? That dog, yeah, you know what's his name? That dog. Majid Nawaz. I think freaking him out is also good, but uh, Taj Hagi, Haji, yeah, oh, absolutely trolling. Let me tell you something: trolling, proper trolling, not not, not pathetic trolling, proper trolling. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's calling imam. Imam, imam. Yeah, good. Mashallah, imam. Yeah, mashallah. But yeah, and trolling, the right kind of trolling or the right kind of person. It's majur. Okay? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, يُعْجِبُ الزُرَّاءُ لِيَغِيدُ بِهُمُ الْكُفَّارِ Okay? In Surah Al-Fatih. And to the delight of its sowers, so God, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, infuriates the kuffar through them, these people. Yani what I'm trying to say is that there's no doubt about it, that when you are in a war, you're not there, yani, to... It ain't a christening. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was thinking about that. I was thinking about that today. 
that guy, what's his name? Um, the batsman for Delhi Daredevils, obviously, you lot are well off the IPL, but he hit obviously 96. Anyway, it doesn't matter. You hit any kind of 60, 70, or 90, or you know, whatever. Nearly all the team is the opponents are patting you on the way back. Bob's that never ever used to happen. Like, you know, there's a serious point that Philip Neville's making here. Yeah, across the board in all sports. There's a situation where sportsmanship has just lost the plot. Yeah, and we thought that, for example, that the situation was getting bad with the way the Australians, you know, you know, sledge people, and that's disgusting and whatever. But at this moment in time, it's like a bit too crazy. But anyway, these are it's not war, so it's good. But I'm just saying, people are losing the plot. Anyway, in war, you need to be. There's another reason why they wear silk in war. There's another reason why what? Why people wear silk in war? Oh yeah, go on then. You'd have to be wearing how much silk for that, bro? No, he did. Sick. Manati. Huh? He said that Genghis Khan's army they used to wear silk because the arrows they wrap around in some behavior, something like that. So I don't know. Well, we didn't say that, isn't it? And I made a very clear disclaimer that we shouldn't be treating this subject as let's try to find excuses to make haram lidhati, haram lighayrihi halal. I made that very clear. But we also need to be clear that when there is a difference, I mean, in fact, I, to be honest, I couldn't possibly be more clearer. I said for the mufti, it's very important. You know, to know the differences in what is and why things are haram, and then when he knows that, when he's then given the question to then ascertain is there a need or a necessity, and is the haram something, whatever, we need to make that clear for the fatwa and the student of knowledge. But the masses don't need to be seeing this religion as hey, let's try and overturn every haram as easy as possible by trying to make them all, you know, wasail or haram for other reasons, not haram intrinsically. Obvious. I don't know if I missed something, but to me, there's like he's mentioning war, and then the reasoning for it is, well, so and so was walking like this, and the Prophet said, said that's okay. But I don't see the connection with silk at all. Like, how did they even? How did that even come to mind? Oh, back then, absolutely. But now it would mean nothing, because there is no warfare between me and you as a, as a person. Mm-hmm. You press buttons. I'm in a home. You're a million miles away. It, it means nothing now, of course. That's why. Um, that's another reason why some people they didn't go for harm and they said jarab. But as Amjad just said, which I think is interesting, at least he goes that you know Muslim armies, Genghis Khan, he became Muslim in the end. They used to wear silk instead of armor because it used to be better than I don't know how it was better, but certainly obviously gives them more. Yeah, to pull out, yeah, and it's easier. You know, they're gonna get taken down anyway. So let's 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 make it easier. I mean, what I'm trying to say, obviously, means nothing now. But from that angle, then you could say that silk means nothing for head lice either, and for sickness either. It's better for a person to not wear clothes. Better for a person to use permethrin and not worry about yeah, the silk. So, obviously, we are going through. This is going to be the same when we come to zakat. You're going to be like, what the heck are we doing sheep for? Who's got sheep, Yanni? But at that time, obviously, it's important, and you know we're trying to understand the rule. The 
anonymity of scripting yes. is not allowed yes. so in this situation it is. Yes. How do you connect that to Sirah? For us, we can't connect it. Oh. There, obviously, person to be in silk on the battlefield is ridiculous. Is that why on earth would you bring the most expensive, most delicate yani clothing as if you think that literally this is going to be some kind of game? It's a massive display of confidence. We're going to destroy you. I'm not even going to sweat. He says that. He says, yani that these Muslims are so buzzing, right? They're so yani chill that, uh, you know, they, they've not been... And listen, listen. I mean, I don't know why I'm explaining this point, but yani, war is all mental, right? Okay? It's about psychologically defeating the person before yani, anything else. No one wants to go and fight. Why do you think they come with yani, 100,000 people? The idea is that the people just close the thingy, they put the drawbridge down, they say, come in, we don't want any, any bloodshed. It's about psychologically defeating the other person. So likewise, if I am... Yani, let's say I'm besieging a town and after one month we've got people walking around in silk and chilling, whatever, whatnot. People are going to be thinking, what's happening here? Are they getting supplies from somewhere else? Have we missed it? Have we, they got tunnels? Are we, yeah, it's an idea of confidence. So in every single way, it, I, I have absolutely no problem connecting the silk to harb as a concept for them. It's just if the sheikh said, well, back in the day this is how we used to dress and no, actually, I'll be, I, I, I'd say the opposite. I think that what he does then, to then build on why silk would be a permitted, mm-hmm. why is that? To infuriate the kuffar in a war scenario. But then couldn't you infuriate them by going out there like topless about anything? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I don't understand why silk in particular is like, it's just a, I don't know. Like you're saying like from the very, you're talking from the author then. You're talking about from Hajawi himself, you're saying, why did they mention silk as an exception? If the reasoning is wearing silk is going to infuriate them because they look super relaxed and everything, well then wearing nothing at all would be even more infuriating. I don't, I don't know, the opposite. If I saw yeah, any, my enemy wearing nothing at all, I'm saying my siege is well, working well. <laughs> Yeah, okay, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. At that time, not wearing a top would have been a sign of poverty. Correct. Which means the army itself would have been. Correct. Correct. Going the opposite way and saying we're all dressed in silk means the army has so much. So much. Yeah, absolutely. 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 Listen. Absolutely. I want people to listen. The way that you've got to look at silk is is the way that you've got to look at when you go up with your on your horse and your arrow and my man has got this that uh, camera which is showing six miles up ahead and this that and he's got information coming to it via Wi-Fi GPS and he's got a body armor that is made of the new Kevlar that you can't touch and he's got uh, reinforced things that make him run and walk whatever whatnot. you look at that and you're like thinking you know what I'm going home yep so that silk at that time 
and it's today about thinking. But I mean, I get your point. Why would you go to that scenario? But he's just he's just making a case around the, and just to make sure that you don't think that Shaykh has lost the plot completely. He does, of course, say kafir wal ihsan ilayhi Of course, being kindness and polite is uh, to the non-Muslims is something which is, of course, established in a religion. Just because we've said that to infuriate them and to freak them out, and that it's rewarded and it's amal salih, that does not mean that's the asal. That's the situation in war, because when, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us, and Surah Al-Mutahidah, you all know the verse, when the people who do not try to fight you and do not try to kick you out of your homes and they are good to you and they are thingy, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not, you know, uh, 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 prohibit you from that. He does not prohibit you from that. Yeah. I don't know if this is a side point, so forgive me this, but um, if the whole thing about walking down the She, 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 she's saying that as why should I do that kind of thing? Well, she's just saying, well, well like supremacy, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. They feel entitled to everything, but for something as small as walking down the street. Yeah. Purpose, yeah. Um, so isn't that more relevant to somebody who's living as a minority rather than. Because if you're in a position of power in a Muslim country where there's non Muslims, there's already that like position above them. Why is there that need to so your point is is that is this hadith really for a Muslim state? Or is it not more applicable to a minority kind of thingy? Uh, I mean, I understand the logic behind that, but it doesn't make any sense because you just get picked up and thrown into the sea, right? I mean, I like I said, it's logical, yani in an emotional kind of way. If that makes sense, emotional logic, which is, I think, a paradoxical theory I just made up, but yeah, no, something like that. Okay, all right. So let's finish off very quickly then. Our hashwin, yeah, it is allowed to use it as stuffing. So for for remember in that, yeah, for use as stuffing. Okay, so it is permissible to have silk, and I don't know how that happens. Don't ask me how, where, but clearly that in some kind of clothes, maybe the collar or maybe the something is stuffed. Yeah, okay. Okana alaman. So I've now put there for use as embroidery. Okay? Now, I'm not an expert on this kind of behavior, but it basically means that you can have badges and you can have like designs and this, that, whatever. All of that can happen along stitching. So we're talking basically stitching with the silk thread and embroidering with the silk thread. But there's a condition. يعني, whatever is what's the same shall I can't see a single thing yet. Which is four finger widths or less. Okay? Four four finger four black four finger widths or less. Why is that by the way? I think that's yeah, and it's something interesting. Um uh, the reason for that is because Sayyidina Umar radiallahu an at the top of page two hundred and twenty, he said uh, hadith which is narrated in Muslim that Sayyidina Umar would not allow for any uh, amount of embroidery, silk embroidery on normal clothes unless it was four, four finger widths or less. Okay? So it can go around, it can be long and stuff like that, but it can't be dominating. That's the point. 
It can't be dominating, okay? Correct, correct. It, it, I mean, if it came down to like a you know weighing versus one versus the other. Uh, just a, a quick point, okay? Um, whose fingers, right? Because you could you know cause some kind of situation here if you're going with alam chandna's thingy fingers. Bra, I said alam chandna and no one moved. You remember Alam Channa? Anyone Alam Channa? Yeah, yeah. remember the Because he's my generation. Alam Channa was the Pakistani, the uh, tallest guy in the world. We was the we were so proud. He was the tallest man. What was that other what was his name? Robert what? Everyone used to have Gizin's book records when you were young, weren't you? Yeah, now we've got that big guy. Who's it now? Big fat guy. Is it? He's the tallest man in the world. I forget big fat guy. I know everyone's big fat guy, man. The tallest guy in the world. Anyway, I, I, but the point is, his name was Robert something, the American. But what I'm trying to say, he's sort of, sorry, he's the tallest guy ever in history. Sorry, yeah. But there was a point when I was young that that record was held by a Pakistani, and I want to say to you that was the most important yani, fact of my life. <laughs> that and winning the, the World Cup, yani, that's the only thing we cared about. Yes, you know, it's packed easy. We gotta make yani, yani, make ourselves feel important. And that's the only thing we had. Tallest guy in the world. We had yani, a karai here and there. You know. And we had 992. Eight foot, yeah. huh? Was he? 8'11". Eight 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 Robert Wadlow. Wadlow. Oh. Robert Wadlow. Four, 11. How? 8'11". Imagine that. Alam Channa. Alam Channa, I think he got to... I don't know what he got to. You gotta do the thingy, man. Yeah? Don't tell me I've got his name wrong, Yaran. I've just been going Alam Channa all this time and I'm thinking talking about a dish. Four meters, which is huh? Huh? 2.34 meters. Yeah? 7 foot 7 foot 8. Alam Channa. Desi Yaraapna. Huh? So what, what's it say about him? What's it say? He was the tallest man in the world, yeah? For a while, yeah. Yallah. Yeah, I remember it, Yaran. It's my childhood. I'm, I'm, this is a real class, Yaran. It's not no. no. 953. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing, Yara? Give me a heart attack. Yeah, definitely. When I was a kid, he was a man, so obviously that makes sense. Is he alive or dead? Miskin, rahimahullah ta'ala, inna lillah wa inna lillah rajon. Tell me he was Sunni Muslim as well, at least. Give me some good news. Tell me where he was born. New York, yeah? That's not a good sign. <laughs> What's the... Tell me where he was born or... or, or he was born in 1953, 1998. 1998, subhanAllah. Anyway, Alam Channa, okay, was national hero. National hero. He was our own Desi Pakistani that we were proud of. Huh? What do you mean something that he didn't do? What are you talking about? Do you think it's easy to be seven foot eight? <laughs> Allah we should remember you when you pass away we'll remember you as well don't worry we'll say yeah we had a girl she was four foot nothing yeah that was something that was something special but Alam Channa you remember Alam Channa yeah no no Adhan Alam Channa you know Alam Channa or not if you, if you <laughs> see that, even the uncles remember Alam Channa. Yeah, yeah, Alam Channa, tall, tall guy. 
They see he is our champion. He was the tallest man in the world. He said, you saw him in Dubai? Two years ago. He died in 1998, man. Two years before he died. Last year he died, you know. Last year he died, you know. These uncles are the best. He died. He died in 1998. Yeah! No, no. Alam Chanda, he died in skin. He's born in 1953. He died in 1998. When I was a bacha, he was the tallest man in the world at that time. In like in 19. No difference. No difference. Magar, he was Pakistan, Pakistani hero, Desi hero. Who else do we have other than him and Imran Khan? And Imran Khan was behind for marrying all the good-looking women. That's it. Who Altaf Hussain? Come on, my dear. Anyway, Azan Karuji, Merabani, Zakallah Khair. Did he? So he wasn't American. You see, we can't eat this now. You see? Oh, you can. Yeah, I know. You guys are chilling. His treatment. So he's Sunni Muslim, yeah? Inshallah. Allah Allah Akbar, Allah Akbar. Allah Akbar, Allah Akbar. Okay, so what time is the law? 50. 50. Um, as his brother-in-law was 
seven foot three inches. Okay, yeah. It is though, it's a separate garment, isn't it? A real silk tie is not embroidery. A real silk tie is its own garment which is added to another garment. It's not to be seen as embroidery. As you're going to see, the discussion is then going to go into patching, and it's going to go on to, which I'll finish now, actually. Okay. So the Sheikh then says that, uh, uh, and that also then includes, أو رِقَعًا أو لَبِنَةَ جَيْبٍ basically, جَمْعُ رُقْعَةً It is effectively patching. Okay. I'm guessing that was only silk available, or clothing available, but it's permissible to patch. Because when you see a cloth, Danny, you, you just think about it. Uh, and then, and then also, and then um, overlaying, and for bordering, okay. Wasujufu fira, okay. Yani this is wasujufuha, yani atrafiha. Wal farwa maftuha min al amam. Yani these are all phrases that only Allah knows exactly what they mean. Okay, the scholars are all talking about them, but I can tell you that they are referring to bordering, lacing, covering, patching, whatever. But the point is the same. That a man is not going to get any effeminate because he's got a silk patch and a silk embroidery and a silk, you know. Uh, one of the things they mentioned there, which is very popular in Pakistan, is that the collar has silk put on the collar. So it's not actually visible to the people, but it's because it's always on your neck, it's cool upon the neck. Make sense? So that's something which is permissible, right? As long as it is less than four uh, uh, four finger widths and I just wanted to say about the fingers and that's why I went to Alam Channa that the fingers are not meant to be Alam Channa's fingers and they're not meant to be my girl's fingers here yeah <laughs> they're meant to be Mutawasit yep Mutawasit fingers and that's very interesting by the way which is good because of course you're going to hear this all the time that four fingers this or three that or whatever um, four finger width uh-huh. so the length is permissible so the length is open until what? Until that level where it starts to become the dominant feature of the thobe itself. Because we said earlier that it needs to be less than 50%. So if it becomes so much that it's going round and round, that's unacceptable. But we're going round, it's okay. As a border, it's okay. As a patching, it's okay. And I just wanted to give the evidence. The Prophet ﷺ said that when he told the people to go and... When he told his zakat collectors to go and get the zakat... He said, I warn you, don't take their best stock. Meaning, go for the middle one. Not too big, not too expensive, not too cheap, not too rubbish. Go for the middle stuff. Meaning, that's a principle, an asal in Islam. That when we, whenever we talk about measures or descriptive <laughs> things, it's always based upon middle. Okay. Now, we're going to stop there. Why? Because the next section is massive. That one line is a murder. Okay? Alright, yeah. What will I say about what? Oh, uh, did I not say it? Oh, sorry. Uh, I just said that he was the opposite of Sheikh Yusuf al Qardawi, meaning that he is like, why on earth, how on earth can you possibly take on riba 
why on earth would you not يعني, stay in rent if it's possible? I get it if someone's got no one, no, you know, kicked out of the house and this and that, whatever. But if you are in a council house or if you are renting, how dare anyone يعني, take on river? I was just giving the, the uh, or trying to give the, uh, you know, the, the thing, the whatever that's called. Um, and someone, I think Abira, uh, bring it down, Abira, uh, question. She said that, what about some future need, down, down? She says, if there's a future, Islam, is the future need relevant if you consider that you may not have enough money in the future for rent? Yes, that is a relevant part of the discussion on trying to justify whether you are allowed to get a house. But like I said, one thing I wish I didn't, I didn't mention, and this is something important, okay, that if a person is genuinely trying to buy a house in a halal way, okay, and he gets scared off by a 20, 30,000 pound arrayan 10% deposit, Okay, he needs to just ask himself what has he actually done to justify him trying to take a haram mortgage? Yep, to get a fatwa. Like a person asked me yesterday, and I said to that person, uh, uh, Do you have someone who can help you? He goes, Yeah, I do have someone who has a lot of money that can give me uh, the money, but they, can, they want interest. Yep, sorry, sorry, beg your pardon, beg your pardon, Allah. But they, they, they don't want interest, but they want to use that money. Okay, meaning they want some kind of return. So I said, I said, and I said to him, and I'm saying to you, this is the problem. People are not yani, using their minds and not being imaginative. You could say to that person, or to two people, you've got 20, 30,000 pounds that you need, or 40,000 pounds that you need, and you know two people that have got 20,000, or two people who got 10,000. You know that, you obviously not allowed to give them more back, more back, and they're not allowed to ask you for more. That's haram, that's riba, that's interest. So in the buying of the house, make them a share of a holder in the house. So that £10,000, you say that it, I will t- lend, I will yani, borrow that 10000 but it will go straight into the house. Because the Musharaka plan that Arrayan offers, offers you a percentage of the house, and they are 80% holders in the house. So your 20% that you're trying to borrow from friends, make them 10%, 10%. What happens then is that as long as you are not paying back their £10,000, you are still using 10% of their property. So you pay them 10% rent. Do you understand? So they are able to get a return, a totally halal return, whilst giving you the opportunity to raise that money yourself in five years, whatever, and pay off them. So what I'm trying to say is that people are not exhausting. You can only get a fatwa for riba once you have exhausted all of the halal options. Did you exhaust the halal options? Did you think I'm going to raise this deposit via halal way? You get what I'm trying to say? Have you gone to every single person? Have you gone to all the families and all your friends to get a bit of money? Or if you can't, then say, okay, go to a businessman and say, I'm going to give you a return of 5%, for example. I will pay you rent of this much on 10% of the house. I am paying rent, because you will be. You'll be paying rent to Riyan, who wants their money. I am paying a rent of, say, £900. So I will give you £90 a month. Now, £90 a month is not what a businessman wants, but it is something that an Islamic, that a Muslim will give you money for, for a return. You know what I'm trying to say? He makes the end his thousand pounds or a hundred pounds a year or a thousand pounds a year or whatever it is. And you then give the money the money back in a couple of years. He makes a couple of thousand pounds. And this fix from day one. Uh, it, the, so, 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 so it's not it's not the repayments. 
Yani, are you talking about the value of his share? No, if, it's, if, he, if he say, all right... He, I'll give you £10,000 yeah. and you give me £12,000 in fixed installments. In this is riba. This, this is riba. No, pure I'm riba. Yep. Pure riba. Why? Because it's money for money. But if you was to buy something from me and you said that I will sell this to you for 12000 I lend you 10000 but I'll sell it for 12000 okay, on, on fixed installments, that's allowed because it's money for a product. But money for money, you can't do that. That's pure riba. You cannot increase any quantity. Well, I've heard different. I've heard, I've heard you will hear many things. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. If it's fixed from day one, yeah. you're going to return in that much, and it's not going to be an increase, you know. Correct, correct. It's fine. That is correct, but in a product only, like buying a car, buying a house, or what? This is called... No, more... that's what it is, buying a house. Yeah, what that, that's what... That, no, 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 we're not talking about that. We, that's a murabaha, this is called. If you buy a product, an object, but money for money can never happen like that. So you're saying that an increase in payment for a delay in payment is acceptable? Is, is, is permissible. When it's money for a product. When it's, for, when it's product for a different type of product or money, money for a for product. Money, money for money, it's riba. Okay? Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, barakallahu alayhi wa sallam, barakallahu alayhi wa sallam, barakallahu alayhi wa sallam,